You're listening to a DM podcast. My idea of a night in would be snuggling with a woman, watching television or something, and then um, share a meal together and then head to bed. But if, if it was serious enough, then maybe I could sit at an hour or so of coitus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Mr. A+. Today's guest is a lovely woman who I first encountered in Canberra, the capital of the land down under, back in November last year. She is an amazing actress who is not only with the same acting agency as I am, but she is also a regular writer and presenter on one of Australia's longest running shows on the ABC, which I will soon reveal. Let's all give a warm welcome for the one and only Emma Palmer. Ah, uh, thank you. Well, how about that for an introduction? <laughs> I feel incredibly, incredibly grateful to be here today. Thank you for having me, Michael. No, thank you <laughs> for coming in. And it's my pleasure for having you on as well. I have to admit, I'm a little bit of a blend between, like like a small child might be on the day that they're starting big school for the first day, oh. I am a even blend of nerves and excitement to be here right now. I'm, I'm excited because I have no idea where this conversation is going to take us, but I'm nervous because of all the amazing people that you have on this show and the phenomenal conversations that you have with them. So kudos to you and your podcast, mate. Thank you, Emma. First off, how are you going and your family? Thank you for asking. My family is, well, I think the only word to describe me and my family is chaos. It's complete chaos all the time. Well, I'm in that phase of family life where they're they're young. You know, I've got a three and a half year old boy, and he's a he's a little bruiser. He's you know he's a bundle of energy, and I've got an eight year old girl, and she's adorable. But you know, she's and I just love her for it. She just wants to be involved in everything. So it means that we're running a million different directions constantly to get her to all of her various interests. And then on top of that, I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm a full-time freelancer with with spinning plates in the air and all of that kind of jazz. So yeah. it's chaos, but I don't think I'd have it any other way. I see. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? How have you been? I've been doing, doing all right for the most part. I was in Perth a few weeks ago. Ah, what were you doing over there? Holiday and I'm kind of seeing someone there. Oh, no. Okay. So I want to hear about the holiday, but can we go to the juicy stuff first? Sure. So how's it going? And um, are you happy to talk about it? Yeah, I am. Okay. How's it, how's it all going, the person that you're seeing? Things are going well so far, but the thing is, she's in hospital for a few months. Oh, no. Is she okay? Anorexia. Oh, Michael. I'm sorry to hear that. That's really hard. Yeah. So she's struggling with that at the moment. Yeah, but... Well, she must have been thrilled to see you, to have you over there to support her. Yeah, we, yeah. Saw, we saw each other a little bit each day. Oh, fantastic. And how did you meet? She s- sent an email to, to the podcast email in July last year, which I did not know about. Yeah. And then Mandy found it... Mandy's month- the producer. Yeah, yeah, of course. She found that email a month later took a read and then forwarded to me so I could read it myself. Great. I was intrigued but also a little surprised. Surprised why? That somebody from Perth is interested <laughs> was interested in dating me. Oh, but they listen to the podcast. They must like they must 
fall in love with you listening to all the great conversations that you have with people. In fact, she listens to every episode of the podcast. Good for her. That's great. So she knew what she was getting into. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, how long has it been going and how's the long distance treating you? Conversing each, with each other um, since August. Yeah. So that means it's been um, seven months. Mm-hmm. And so, and I guess in this day and age with, you know, being able to FaceTime or all that sort, sort of thing, it's a bit easier, isn't it, to yeah. to stay in regular um, contact with each other. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that flight quite a bit myself. My partner's from Perth, so we mm. spent many, many years going over there over Christmases and summers and things like that. I assume it's a great place to live. I, I imagine. I imagine it is. I think the people from Perth love living there. It's, I think it's a, um, definitely less hectic than living in a city like Sydney. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> and it's also more affordable than both Sydney and Wollongong put together. That's so true. You know, actually, I had, speaking of Wollongong, so you're from Wollongong, an hour south of Sydney. Yeah. And I know some people who sold their two-bedroom apartment in Wollongong and bought a five-bedroom house in Perth. <laughs> so there you go. You're right. It's a lot more affordable. This girl that you've been seeing have a name? Yeah, her name's Sarah. Oh, well, I hope that Sarah uh, is recovers quickly and that, you know, you got, you can get back on a plane and enjoy some time in Perth together. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> sure that she will. Was there a moment in your past that inspired you to decide that you wanted to be in the performing arts industry? Uh, you know, actually, you know what? There was, there was a moment of realisation. So I had been, when I was in year 10, I went on an exchange to France for six months. So I lived in France for six months when I was about 14, 15. I turned 15 while I was over there. And when I got, one of the things I missed at school while I was there was uh, when you do like job placement week. So you learn about all the different careers and then you go and you actually get some work experience at a, in an industry somewhere, right? And uh, I missed out on that. So when I got back, uh, they, you know, the school said, you know, you and this other girl who had also been on exchange have to go and, you know, you have to go and speak to the careers counsellor and work out what you can do with your lives. So, uh, so off we went and we were sitting outside the careers counsellor's office and we were looking at sort of brochures about various different industries and pathways and universities and that kind of thing. And my girlfriend said to me at the time, I think I want to go to Monash Uni and study, study law. And I was like, oh, yeah, law. I was like, I was, I was getting pretty good grades. I was like, maybe I should go and study law. And then I had a moment and I thought about it. And I imagine, you know, my in my 15-year-old brain, my idea of being a lawyer was, you know, standing up in court, being a barrister and, you know, uh, giving the opening and the closing statements of trial cases and things like that. And I thought to myself, I had this moment and I went, ah, oh, yeah, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to play a lawyer. <laughs> I want to be in a film pretending to be a lawyer. <laughs> and that was when I realised I was I was destined for some kind of, uh, of career in the arts. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> a very remarkable story. <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was a kind of clarifying moment. And then later on in life, I, I went and I tried out for drama school, I think straight out of school and I didn't get in. And I, so I started studying something else and I took a year off to go travelling around Europe and I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to spend this year working out what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to spend this year finding something else that's going to make me happy uh, because this this acting shtick's obviously going to be pretty hard. And so I, you know, I did. I spent 12 months travelling around the world and, you know, uh, working in different parts of the world and all that kind of thing and 
spend a lot of time we've already we spoke off air before about trains and I love traveling on trains so I you know I'd sit on long train trips from Paris to Barcelona and things like that gazing out the window imagining what I was going to do with my life and what else I would become (laughs) and I just couldn't get it out of my head so I came back to Australia and I auditioned for drama school one more time and thankfully that that time I got in and and then you know ever since then I, I moved up to Sydney and I've been been sort of putting actor on the census form ever since. Wow. <laughs> I'm not really as busy as I'd like to be. Yeah, so how is it? I hear you've been doing lots of uh, uh, courses, screen acting courses, yeah. and how and how are things going? Um, things are going all, all right so far. I've already done um, the beginners and intermediate courses at ScreenWise, but I'm still yet to do the advanced course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that you're the second play school alumni to be on this podcast. Yes. How did you ever succeed on joining the world of play school? Yeah, well, okay, so that's actually an interesting story. So the way I – so I've been on the show now. You probably know better than I do. Have I been on the show for 11 years now, I think, 11 or 12? Yes, I would say so. So I was fairly fresh out of drama school. I think I've been out of drama school for about a year or so, and I I got this audition for – play school. Now, to just backtrack a little bit, when you're at drama at NIDA in Sydney, you in second year you do this uh, in your music class, you do this um, project where you get put into pairs, you get given a common play school song and you have to write and create a segment based around that song and then perform it to your class and then we walk up the hill, I think, and we perform it to a preschool up in Randwick somewhere. So I... Uh, I got paired with another guy, Andy, and we created our we created our segment, and we were performing it. We were all performing it back, and you know, you can imagine sort of, you know, young, egotistical young actors. You know, everyone thought that this was pretty kind of funny, funny, funny sort of thing to do, and uh, there was a lot of like, uh, you know, there's a there were a lot of laughs as people were performing it, and then when Andy and I got up and did ours. I just remember all of my 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 friends watching, kind of going, oh, oh. Oh no, they're they're actually quite good at this. And then afterwards, everyone said you you were actually quite you were actually quite good at that. You know, like you you struck the play school tone quite well. So when I got this audition a couple of years later, I thought, oh, you know, this is amazing. This is something you know. Like I actually thought, you know, I'm going to go into this with with a bit of confidence. And then my audition was on a Friday, and Thursday night, I started to feel a little bit queasy. And I can, I'm not somebody who gets colds or any flus or anything like that very often, but I can guarantee you if there is a tummy bug going around, I'm going to get it. And, I, you know, by 12 o'clock that night, I had my head in the toilet and I was vomiting everywhere. Oh, no, sorry, bit gruesome. But I was really, really sick. And so, and I was devastated. My partner was like, I don't think you'll be able to do the audition. And I was like, no, you know, this is like, this is the one audition I thought I was going to get. So we called up and we said, look, Emma can't come in, but, you know, could she do a self-tape? And this is, you know, pre, you know, before the days where people were doing, easily doing self-tapes at home. You know, iPhones had only really just kind of come out. But anyway, we did a a self-tape. And I, uh, it was great because by Sunday I had colour back in my face. I wasn't green anymore. And I was able to do a couple of takes in the comfort of my living room. You know, I used, um, I used a big fluffy um, teddy bear that I'd had my whole life that I still had with me. 
<laughs> as Big Ted. And um, I'm not the strongest singer in the world. So when I get a bit nervous, I, I get a bit pitchy. And so it meant that I could do the take a couple of times in the comfort of my own home, make sure I got in tune and all of that kind of thing. Anyway, eventually did the take and I was really happy with it. I thought, you know, I think I've struck the right tone and sent it in. Didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks until finally they said, you know, would they want to invite you in back in for a, for a callback? They're calling back, you know, just a handful of people. And even though obviously I was a bit nervous for my callback, I had the confidence of knowing that, you know, I'd made the I'd made the sort of short list. And so I went in and while I might have still been a little bit pitchy, I obviously did a good enough job to, to then book the gig. And I'll never forget the day that I got the phone call. I was in rehearsals for a two-hander, a theatre play about ballroom dancing, and I got this phone call to say that I got the job. And that was one of those, like, career moments where I just thought, this is this is big. Like, this is really exciting to be a part of such an iconic television show in Australia. Wow. And speaking of which, what are some of your favourite moments from your time on Play School? And who is your favourite toy? Ooh, ooh, okay. Let's start with favourite toy. I am... I'm 100% a Jemima and Kaya girl. So I love the girls. I love the girls. Girl power, right? So Kaya is one of our newer toys. She's an Indigenous toy that was introduced a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And Kaya and Jemima are a similar size and they often get to go on because they're sort of small and they're easily dressed up in things and put into vehicle like box helicopters and stuff like that. Yeah. We of, They often get to go on fun adventures. So I really like Kaya and Jemima. But I also, I love little Ted because I love the voice that I do for little Ted. Amen. Oh, little Ted sort of sounds a little bit like this. And so he's really fun to sort of, you know, animate because he's a bit cute and a bit goofy. <laughs> so they're my favourite toys, those three. Wow. Um, and some fun moments. What are some fun moments? There's, like, there's too many to, to choose from, but have you seen the Silly Special episode? Not that I remember. I don't recall seeing that on so that. So it's, it's an episode that is with five. There's five presenters in it, and the whole episode is just dedicated to being silly, and I really liked doing that episode. That was really fun. And I wrote that episode too, so that was um, lots of fun to create that, uh, to create all that silliness. And then there was also a Christmas episode a few years ago, which I remember when uh, the, one of the producers rang me up and said, so we're thinking about doing a Christmas special. And it just occurred to me that maybe, Emma, you'd be the kind of person who likes Christmas. And before he'd finished the sentence, I was like, I love Christmas. Yes, yes, I'll write it. But there's one condition. And he said, what? And I was like, you have to put me in it. And he said, well, I can't guarantee that. We'll have to see about that. But um, so there we go. They're probably two of my my most uh, – and the Christmas episode was really fun because we had a live studio audience. So we had kids in the studio watching, <sighs> Yeah, which was really fun. Sounds like a very wonderful time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, well, it's not often as well with Play School that you get to actually see the response with the kids, particularly yeah. in studio because we're just talking down the barrel of a camera, right? We're talking to one child in yeah. one living room down the barrel of the camera. So it was nice to have the kids there and to be able to yep. to see see all the fun and the songs and the ideas land with them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I remember the time last year that I did one of those story time episodes. Ah, yes, of course. So you've it's, which toy did you do your story time episode with? Jemima. Ah, oh, there you go. So there you go. You've dallied on the Play School set and met some of the Play School uh, yeah. stars. Yes. There you go. One in particular I'm quite enamoured by. Yeah, tell me. Uh, not exactly ro- romantically, but 
I certainly would love to. I actually had her on my, on my podcast yeah, last year. Yeah, I think year. I know who you're talking about. And I'm also hoping to have her as a as a guest at my wedding in the future. Ah, fantastic. Will well, you get – so we're talking about Justin Clark, aren't we? Obviously. Obviously, <laughs> for anyone listening along at home. And um, will you get her to sing at your wedding, do you think? If she's open to it. So favourite favorite Justin Clark song? My Shadow and Me, I suppose. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Can you sing a bit of that one for me? I'm a terrible singer. Uh, <laughs> okay. I feel I feel a bit daggy because it's like the most obvious one, but I can't go past watermelon. It's so good. Yeah. Every time I give my kids watermelon, I break out into into that song. You mm. know, in all the time that I've been doing play school, I've actually only ever been in one episode with Justine. Yeah, and even then, it was not a whole episode. She came in as like a guest star in an episode with myself and Alex. I know. So I've seen her at events and we, you know, had a chat and that kind of thing. But I'd, I don't even get to, I don't get to perform under the shadow of her brilliance as often wow. as I wish I could. Yeah. Yeah. You watched Justine as a child. Is that right? Yeah. So, because I'm a little bit older than you, right? So your version of Justine for me is like Benita or Naughty John, you know, the lovely John Hamlin. Do you remember John Hamlin? Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. But- didn't he pass away he recently? Did. He did recently pass away. Um, R.I.P. I know, I know, I know. Um, Vale John Hamlin. But he was he's commonly referred to in people in my generation as Naughty John because, see, on Play School back in those days, that it's, it's all digital now, right? So a Play School episode has somewhere between eight and ten segments and we can shoot – we might shoot two segments back to back but we'll usually just shoot one segment and then we call cut and then we reset and then we shoot the next segment – uh, but back in those days, it was all shot on film, right? So they couldn't just cut. Uh, they would shoot the hot – well, they could have, but it would have been – it would have taken longer in post to put it all together. So back in the day, like back in the 80s when I was watching, yep. they would do the whole thing from beginning to end, more like a theatre show. Wow. So the presenters back then had to memorise and have clearly in their brains the full 26 minutes. So they'd press record and they'd start presenting and they'd do the show – And by the time you got to like minute 18 or 19, right, the producers upstairs are going, film was expensive, like the actual film. So they would be going, we're not going to call cut, right? So, and, and as Justine mentioned on your show, we love happy mistakes on play school. It demonstrates to the kids and models to the kids that life's full of mistakes and that's actually a good thing. So if something happened at like minute 18 or 19, uh, the producers were very reluctant to call cut and go back and start again. And that is when naughty John Hamlin would always strike with the glimmer in his eye and he'd say something cheeky or he'd do something a little bit naughty and he'd know that the producers would let it through because they didn't want to go back to the start. But in this day and age of, you know, political correctness and, and properness, where we, we don't get away with quite so much. <laughs> and they can they can call cut on us much easier than they could on on, on John. Cool. <laughs> Sounds like it was kind of fun, but also harder back then. Well, I, yeah, I mean, definitely, because we can use uh, our short-term memories. You know, if we're doing a segment that's only five pages long, then I just have to have that five pages in my brain for a short period of time. And then once we've got that in the can, so to speak, we can move forward onto the next uh, segment and I, I can eject that, that little bit from my memory, from my short-term memory, and in, inject another, another segment. So there are a lot of aspects that make shooting it a lot easier these days, I have to say. Yeah, of course. (laughs) 
What are some of your other roles that you've done outside play school? As I said, most of my career has actually been in the theatre. So I've done I've done bits and pieces of screen acting, you know, guesties on this, that and the other. But in terms of longer running things, it's mostly been in the theatre. So I've had a few different a few different uh, shows and roles that I've enjoyed. And it's funny, it's usually the smaller stuff, the more niche stuff that you enjoy. It's like the less, you know, I've been in big productions like War Horse or I've been in a couple of STC plays and um, things like that. But there's one or two plays that I have, a, a you know, a really uh, dear place in my heart. I did a play called Constellations a couple of years ago, which was a two-hander. And um, it was a beautiful, beautiful Nick Payne play all about a girl who actually gets gets a brain tumour and gets quite ill. But it's about the love story between her and, and her and a, a boy that she was in love with and her partner at the time. And it's a really cle- cleverly written play and it just gave me a really nice opportunity to just, you know, stretch my acting acting chops, so to speak. And then I also love doing, you know, I love doing lighthearted, fun comedy and stuff like that. So Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> so I've done I've done a few theatre shows that are, you know, sort of slapsticky or um, yeah. or that, uh, you know, that uh, English garden sort of uh, humour, which is, you know, just a, a series of ridiculous situations and stuff like that. So you wow. know, yeah. Sounds like you've had a very fun career. So far. <laughs> Although I, I couldn't help but notice that most of your, that a rather large bulk of your career has been either on stage or play school. Yeah. So I when you look at my, my resume, I've done a lot of play school. I also do a lot of play school live. So I tour the country um, throughout the year. There's about, a, there's about half a dozen of us who take a live show around the country. So part of a, ABC and their charter is to, you know, get their content out to regional audiences in Australia and things like that. So we travel around the country and perform to, you know, sometimes 500, sometimes 800 kids at a time and that is a a sobering experience for anyone who's never performed to that many children because they they're not backwards in being forwards about whether they're having a good time or not (laughs) so that but that's really fun and and as I said that's a a great opportunity to just see how much joy the kids get getting them up on their feet Mm. and you know wobbling like jelly on a plate with you and that kind of of thing yeah And I write for the show as well, of course. So Funny you should mention that because my next question is, I believe that you wrote a certain episode on Play School with a rather sensitive topic known as death. <laughs> um, why was it important to address such a theme? Yeah, that's a really good question, Michael. Uh, so it, we don't call the episode death. <laughs> we call the episode, we found it an age-appropriate title for it. We call it Beginnings and Endings. And it was, it was an episode about about um, not just about death but also about the beginning of the life cycle as well. And the reason that we felt like it was an important um, theme to explore for kids is that kids of all ages experience death, you know, whether it's their pet fish or their, you know, family um, family pet like an animal or a cat or, you know, in some in some instances it can, it can be a close family member who, you know, small children will lose. And obviously... We all experience grief in a different way, depending on yeah. our age, depending on our understanding of the situation. And how close you are with them. And how, and how close you are. So we wanted to explore and in, a, in the way that Play School does, in the brand of Play School. So Play School 
it's what's on the tin, isn't it? We explore ideas through play, uh, mm. which is also how, how kids are going to understand a, a concept like death. So we felt like it was really a really important theme to explore. But you can't just explore death. We also wanted to also educate kids on, you know, yeah. the life cycle and the fact that, you know, we, we begin and, and, and we end. And, and when, yeah. when one thing dies, you know, something else yeah. is born. And so it was actually probably one of the most rewarding episodes that I've ever written. In I, fact, I was involved in that episode as well. Again, gosh, I'm sneaky, aren't I? I cast yeah. myself in this episode and I've, I'm just remembering this now how I did that. So we did draft one of the episode and we were talking about how, you know, Alex was going to talk about his grandmother, who his yaya, who had died. And um, and I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, we had a, a female presenter on there who'd been pre- who was pregnant? Because like when Justine was pregnant, she's been pregnant three times on the show and, you know, she's always on the show with her pregnant belly and you can sort of tell, you know, whether she's pregnant or, or not and the hair, you know, I can always tell I can always tell when the episode was shot based on my hairstyles. Do I have a fringe? Is it short? Is it long? That kind of thing. Anyway, I said, it'd be great, wouldn't it? And then the producers went, yeah, but I don't think anyone is. Anyway, this was in like November. We were outlining it and I did the draft one and then I got some notes to uh, to fix it for draft two and in the time between draft one and draft two, I found out that I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah, and I was about seven weeks pregnant at that time. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to be really sneaky here and I'm going to write it in. So in draft two, I think in like the second segment or something like that. Oh, no, in the first segment, the opening segment, the female presenter was sitting there chatting to a, uh, you know, a mother with a baby. And I, I wrote that in the conversation they were talking about you know where the baby had come from, and 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 that it, you know the baby had been in Kate's tummy. That was the name of the guest, and that actually I've got a baby growing in my tummy now. And we talked about that, and uh, you know, and, and you know how my tummy was going to get bigger as the baby grew, and then eventually the baby would come out and be just like the little baby Clara that we were playing with on the mat. Anyway, so I sent, I emailed off the script. And within about an hour, my phone starts ringing. It's one of the producers from Play School going, are you serious? Is this true? And I said, yeah. And they were like, oh, they, you know, firstly, they were like, congratulations, that's fantastic. And then they said, and thank you for going to that effort to, uh, to you know, to really make sure that we had all that lovely thematic layering through the yeah. episode. So in the end, I did end up being in that episode. And by the time we shot it, I'm very, very visibly pregnant in mm. that episode. So there you go. And both my kids have been on the show now. So Jed, who's my youngest, was in my tummy in that episode. And Anouk uh, came on when she was about 13 months old in an episode. Mm. So there you go. They've both been on the show. Well, congratulations. <laughs> if I had a son and a daughter, I would I would probably call them Edward and Alice. Oh, they're beautiful names. Mm. Why, why Edward and Alice? It's because I, I, have, I prefer traditional British names. Fair enough. Fair enough. And they both are quite traditional British names. I actually have some thoughts on death. Ah, tell me. Two years ago, I lost a grandfather and an auntie. Right. I'm sorry to hear that. That's all right. Um, Even though I was pretty saddened by it, I wasn't too phased because because I was never really close to them. I've never been close to any of my aunties, uncles, cousins or grandparents. Do, do they they live near you or you just haven't got to know them? Because I'm closer to my parents and siblings. I yeah. spend equal time with family and with friends as well. Mm. 
So what was your experience when you lost them? What was your experience? Well, I could see see those see both of them coming. Yeah. Because my grandfather, he was in and out of hospital for the past six years of his life. Yeah, right. So okay, so you knew that it was it was coming. And yeah. what about what about your parents? How were how did they feel when it happened? My mother was was pretty saddened, but my it affected my dad the most. Really? Was it his dad? Yeah. Your grandfather. And so what role did you play in supporting them during that time? I was just being there for my dad. Yeah, I bet he appreciated that. He did. And that's, so, I mean, right there, Michael, that's one of the reasons that we felt like doing that episode was important because it's important to talk about not just how you feel but also to talk about the role that you can play in supporting other people and also the role that you can play in keeping their memories alive. So we talk about, you know, photos and sharing stories and actually – it's funny, I, I had this feeling you were going to bring this uh, this episode up today for some reason. How did you know? I don't, I don't, Michael, I actually don't know, but I just had this feeling. I lost my dad when I was 23. So I was in my first year at NIDA up here in Sydney. Like and it was, you know, thank you. It was a lo- quite a long time ago now. Um, yeah. But one of my favourite things to happen is when my dad visits me in my dreams. I'm getting a bit emotional just talking about it. But, um... So every now and again, it doesn't happen very often. It's happened, I think, twice in the last six months, which I feel really blessed for. But it happened just last week. I had a dream and my dad was in it. And they're never, you know, what dreams are like. They're sort of hazy and yeah. they're clear when you're in them. But then when you wake up, it's sort of hazy. And But I, I had this really clear moment. I never hear him speak in the dream, but I, I, I you know, I saw him and I interacted with him. And um, I always feel really happy when, when those moments happen because, you know, it just means that he's he's still alive in my subconscious and I'm still – my subconscious brain's still able to conjure him with great clarity even though, you know, in, in the stark light of day sometimes yeah. I can't quite remember what his voice sounded like or I can't always picture with clarity what his response would be to something, you know. So it's yeah. it's one of those lovely little little things. Also, then again, a lot of people don't even remember the circle of life. It's important to remember that, you know, everything does come to an end and a great reminder that we have to live in the moment, live our best lives right now. And that death comes for us all. (laughs) Yes. That's a sobering thought. (laughs) Yes. And also the other thing is that some people are afraid of death, but I'm not. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. My father told me the truth about death years ago. Which is? We are actually just souls, yeah. and our bodies—they're like clothes. They're the temples of our souls. Yeah, when, right. when a person dies, it's painless. That means it's the the Lord saying that it's time for that soul to depart from that body, and then to be—it's re- basically a release. Yeah, you know, into the afterlife or the spirit realm, as I like to call it. Yeah, and the spirit remains there for some time. Until eventually, the law decides when it's time for the the soul to be to be placed into a new body. Yeah. But all memories from its previous lifetime are erased. That's a really beautiful and and deep reflection on death, Michael. Well, this is what my father my father taught me years yeah, ago. Right. Yeah, right. Um, some people believe in reincarnation, but others don't. Do you? Yeah. Do you believe that we can all be reincarnated into anything? Yeah. Yep. Well, isn't that's interesting? I, 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 you know, look, I have a, 
similar but slightly, I guess, different view on it. I, I really believe that people's souls live on through the memory of of others yeah. and the way that people, you know, the way that people talk about, share stories, are guided by their ideas. You know, I actually went to a memorial two nights ago of um, one of uh, the great acting teachers in Australia of all time. And he was my acting teacher at drama school and his name was Kevin Jackson and he was br- brilliant. Did, he, did you ever get taught by him at ScreenWise? Don't think so. Well, he was a, a marvellous teacher and uh, I was at his memorial the, the other day and the thing that really has stayed with me from all of the speeches and the stories that were shared afterwards in the foyer was that, you know, his memory and his legacy lives on through all the actors in Sydney who were ever taught by him, who forever will have their his voice in their head when, they, when they're yeah. approaching a scene and they're looking at the punctuation and they're thinking about how they're going to perform the, perform the scene and they're guided by, they're guided by his teachings. And, yeah. you know, I feel like in a way that's how, you know, that's how he, he will live on through, mm. through the legacy he's left in his work. Mm. You know, my dad lives on through the stories that, uh, that my family share about him. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a, it's a really, it's a it's a good thing to reflect on, isn't it? Because it makes me think about well, how will what what's the legacy that I will leave? And of you know, you have to keep keep making sure that every mm. the choices you make every day are yeah, are good ones, and hopefully you leave something behind for everyone else. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so we went deep. Wow, I thought this was all just going to be you know silly fun an- anecdotes. We've gone we've gone to some well, some great places. Well, we're sharing our thoughts. Yeah. On death. Yeah. Um, people don't have to take them on board. They, Definitely They not. can just stick to their own beliefs. But also this co- po- podcast is also a platform where opinions and thoughts are welcome. welcome. Yeah. Without fear of being of being judged. Great. Or being harassed or discriminated in any way. Well, this and this is part of what you're leaving behind. This is part of your legacy, you know, these yep. conversations that you have with all these phenomenal uh, minds, performers, um, scientists, thinkers from around the world. Yeah. It's, an, it's an extraordinary thing to share with people. Yeah. Forgot to mention that I am actually a closet fan of Play School. Yeah, I don't think it's in the closet, Michael. I think it's in the public domain that you're a fan of Play School. I love that. I think it's what, – so what type of segment is your favourite sort of segment on the show? I don't really have a favourite segment. Like, do you like it when we're in the kitchen or when we're, like, playing with the toys? They're all, they're all great. They're all great? It's all just wholesome. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? You know, I have to confess that uh, before, you know, we had 24-hour news channels and things like that. So, like, think early noughties. As an adult, I would sometimes be at home and I would be thinking, I'd be thinking to myself, oh, you know, I want a bit of company. Like, it was before podcasts and all of that kind of thing. I didn't yeah. have a radio. Um, and I would often just put ABC2 on and, you know, this is before News 24 – and you'd hear Play School come up and I'd go, oh, that's such a, such a yeah. comforting so- sound to have in the background, yeah, isn't it? of course. You know, it's just that it reminds you of your, it reminds you of your childhood. It's, uh, you know, familiar yeah. and safe. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, so I would often as an adult have yeah. the show on in the background. And now, of course, I have the show on because I've got kids. I, and yeah, of whatnot. course. <laughs> I could just list more of my favourite shows, but there's too many to list and it's a bit of a waste of time to, to do it as well. <laughs> Although I will admit that I recently got out of the Big Bang Theory. Ah, uh, really? You're not into it anymore? No, nah, I was just no longer enjoying it. Well, fair enough. Move and, on. And because Sheldon's too annoying. He gives pe- people on the spectrum a bad name. Oh, right. Tell has, me about that. He has autistic traits, but he's not actually 
but he doesn't have Asperger's. Oh, so he he is a non-neurodivergent actor playing a neurodivergent character. Is that yeah, right? He's neurotypical. Right. How do you feel about that when neurotypical people depict uh, neurodivergent characters on screen or stage? I'm, I may be a little bit sim- similar to Sheldon, but I'm a bigger man than him in every way. Yeah, good on you. Good on you. Well, I hope that there is an opportunity, particularly in Australian television, around the corner for you because I think yeah. you know, our screens are all the better when you're on them, Michael. I just need one chance to prove myself. For sure. People but, loved you on Love on the Spectrum. But I haven't got that chance yet. It'll come. It'll come. That's the thing as being an actor. You know, we can't all have the careers of Justin Clark and, and Claudia no. Carvin. Some of us no. have to ride a few more waves than that, the ups and yeah. the downs. And even those women would have had ups and downs in their careers. Yeah, of course. They didn't land that gig that they wanted or they've gone through a patch where, you know, they're not making as much television as, yeah. as normal. I know. So you've got to ride the highs when they're, when mm. they're there and then you've got – and the, I think the truest test of an actor – is how you navigate your way through the lows. So I've been told. And you know what's important? What? Keep yourself creatively busy. If that means, you know, I'll often sit down and write a children's book or I will, you know, sit down and draw with my daughter and I will allow myself to be terrible at it, Mm. you know, but just staying creative is is really important when you're a creative person. That's very true. In fact, I have to ask you, what would be a dream role for you? Uh, look, I have always wanted to play – I also love Shakespeare, right? So I would love to play Lady Macbeth one Ooh. day. Do you know much about Shakespeare? Not really. Right. So um, Lady Macbeth's one of the sort of great and gruesome gruesome roles. She's sort of power-hungry <laughs> and uh, – but, she, you know, lots of lots – of, uh, twists and turns that show great sort of vulnerability and doubt and all of that kind of thing. And I, you know what? I would love to I would love to just be on a long-running sitcom comedy like you just and me a, both. Yeah, I would just love to be on something like that. It doesn't happen so much anymore. It happens more selectively these days, but for a few years back there, um, when America would do their pilot season, we'd we'd get sent American scripts to audition for and I always got the fast-paced comedy ones. And you know, I, I did book any of them, obviously, but I just would have so much fun doing the tests and just, uh, you know, getting those words in their mouths. So There's something the Americans do those sitcoms so yeah. incredibly well. Yes, I know. America does it does it the best. I mean, we've got we've got great um, comedy creators in these, like the Working Dog guys and stuff like that. Yeah. They create, uh, you know, Utopia is one of my favourite Australian comedies of all time because I think it's so on point in terms of you know working in public service and that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. But uh, but yeah, the Americans have a very particular yeah. particular way of doing sitcoms, which yeah. I think would be lots of fun. In terms of comedy, Australia needs to do better. Yeah, That's but I can help with that. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. You're ready and in the wings and waiting. Thanks. <laughs> I have to ask, who would you like to star alongside? Uh, I think in terms of Australian actors, I have a couple of Australian a- uh, actors who I would love to star alongside. Who? Um, Susie Porter. <gasps> <gasps> Do we have that in common? Yeah. And in fact, you know, you know what? I actually have shot a scene with Susie Porter in a television show and it got edited out. <laughs> if, oh, actually, no. I don't even think I got to shoot it. It got edited out before we shot it. <laughs> So I got offered this role in a television show called Brothers in Arms as a bikey chick. Before, so before Michael, before my career as a play school presenter really took off, I used to get cast a lot as bogans and prostitutes. <laughs> and then I think I became well known for play school and I, I, got, I get less of that now. But anyway, I got cast in this, in this bikey show 
as a as a bogan, and um, and you know, I like sort of real, real, real rough chick. Yeah, I saw that. And there were two scenes. It, it doesn't suit you. For my character, it doesn't suit me. It doesn't. It's not very congruent with my play school persona, is it? Anyway, no, there were not. these two scenes, and uh, one of them was meant to be with Susie Porter, and. <sighs> I really only took the role because I wanted to do that scene. I wanted to put on my show reel and I just wanted to work opposite Susie Porter because I think she's a fab. And then I got to the costume fitting and they were putting my costume on me and I said, oh, and there should be one more. And they said, oh, what for? I said, oh, for the other scene, the one in the bikey, you know, like in the um, in the clubhouse. And they and the costume lady looked at me and she went, oh, yeah, no, that's been cut. And I was like, oh, that was the whole reason I did this. <laughs> so there you go. I didn't even get to do my, my scene with Susie Porter. Uh, but I think she's excellent. I think I think David Wenham and Guy Pearce are phenomenal actors who are, I greatly respect. And of course, the two ladies that we've spoken about already, Claudia Carbon and Justine Clark, are sort of you know yes. ge- gems of the Australian. Uh, I'd love to work with them too. Screen, yeah. Susie Porter, I just love to play her son in something. <laughs> you totally could. She actually had it on the podcast last year, but I do have one regret. What's that? I wish I'd done it with her in person. Oh, was that on online? Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That, because she missed out on a chance to get one of my famous bear hugs. Oh, you, you know what? I remarked today when we said hello how huh? amazing your hugs are. They are probably like they're top shelf hugs. Not many people, not many people hug like that. I love that you're putting that out there. That's brilliant. I have one last question before we get to a certain segment. I believe that you will be part of a stage production at the Ensemble Theatre near Luna Park. Can you tell us about that? Luna Park or the stage production? The stage production, <laughs> obviously. I can. I can tell you about that. Um, it's a production called Benefactors. It's by Michael Frain. So it's all set front of stage, the first act, and you watch this comedy play happening and then it flips around and you see all the, the chaos and the mayhem behind the stage. This is a very different type of play, though. He, uh, this is a, a play. It's a four-hander, and it's quite, but it's quite a dark comedy. So I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth stuck into it. Uh, it will be with Guy Edmonds, who's a, f- a fantastic Australian actor, and um, Megan Drury and Matt Minto. And the four of us actually were together in a play before that thing happened that we're not allowed to talk about on the podcast. Fair enough. I'm just looking forward to getting back into the rehearsal. The rehearsal is actually my favourite part of any play. Wow. Once it's up, once I've performed it to the audience, I go, oh, now I've really got to dig deep and find the discipline to do this every night, which I do, don't get me wrong. But the I find the most joyous part is the rehearsal process, the creative wow. process. I just enjoy the whole process altogether. Yeah. But uh-huh. also collaborating with my with the other performers, that's the one thing I enjoy the most. Oh, Fantastic. That's all the questions that I have for you, which means that we're now on to our Ask Mr. A Plus segment. That's the a segment where the guest has the opportunity to ask me questions, anything at all. Okie dokie. <laughs> Look at you. All right. What are you most proud of in life? That's a bit of a tough question to answer because there's a lot of things that I'm proud of. I have a successful podcast. Yeah. I seem to have a global fan base. <laughs> I'm in great health, got a great car, and yeah. have plenty of savings behind me, I suppose. Fantastic. And apparently I have a bright future ahead of me. Yeah, absolutely have that. I can guarantee A lot of people that. believe that I have a lot of things coming for me. Well, that's a nice way to be. Tell me, what is, if you would have a perfect night in, what would that be? Well, my my idea of a night in would be snuggling with a woman watching television or something yeah and then um 
share a meal together and then head to bed. <laughs> nice. Okay. And last and, of all. But if, if it was serious enough, then maybe I could sit at an hour or so of coitus. Uh, right. Okay. Good. And what is your favourite meal? I'm a bit of a foodie, so I want to know what's your favourite meal? Anything that's British, Italian or German. Okay. So like bangers and mash? What's that? You know, like sausages and mash. That's what, like, the Brits, they love bangers and mash. Yes, but there's also shepherd's pie. Oh, shep- oh you're a shepherd's pie fan. And roast and sour- sauerkraut with mashed potatoes Ooh. and these German sausages. Yeah, or, or bratwurst. Yeah, definitely. Lasagnas, oh. spaghetti bolognese, spaghetti, meatball, spaghetti with meatballs, gnocchi. Oh, this is making me want to cook for you, Michael. Polenta. You, oh, polenta, yes. Yeah. On that note, we should probably go and get some lunch, don't you think? If you'd like to <laughs> have lunch, I'd be happy to shout you. Oh, who can say no to that? Brilliant. Let's do it. Emma, thank you so much for for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, so thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. It's been an absolute pleasure and a delight. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael.